Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. Australia's stock exchange dropped by 1.8% yesterday on the back of panic over what was going on with Credit Suisse. We check in with Australia with ABC journalist and former Money FM presenter, friend of the station, Jason Dacey, joining us live from where exactly in Australia, Jason? Hello, Michelle. I'm actually in Brisbane in the sunshine state of Queensland. So there you go. Beautiful. (laughs) Happy St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Do you have any Irish blood in you? I actually do. Yeah, Dacey is an Irish name. And my great, great, great grandfather was a, an Irishman who was sent um, from from the UK. He was actually a poor Irishman in London and was arrested for a minor crime and then sent out to Australia in the uh, mid 1800s. And here I am all these years later in 2023. Amazing personal story and personal history linked to St. Patrick's Day as well. Fantastic. Okay, Jason, let's get into the financial headlines, which this week have been dominated by the U.S. and the European banking crisis. Uh, First, Silicon Valley Bank, the financier to tech startups, crashing after being hit by an old-fashioned bank run. And then uh, a coast away, Signature Bank going under in New York. We had a brief pause for about a day in the newsrooms until the Swiss banking giant Credit Suisse came under sustained selling. That's led to a central bank bailout. On top of that, Moody's Investor Service has rapidly downgraded the entire U.S. banking system because of what it describes as a rapidly deteriorating operating environment. So I want to ask you this to get the ball rolling, Jason. What is the current state of Australia's banking system? Do you have any banks, big or regional ones, that are in danger of going under? Australian banks are very solid at the moment, uh, Michelle, particularly the big four banks, which is Commonwealth Bank Australia, NAB, um, AN and Z, uh, and also Westpac. They are predicted to make $33 billion in profit this year. And that's because of the rising interest rates that they're passing on to their mortgage customers. And you know, it's a huge uh, housing industry here. Uh, so those big four banks are doing really, really well. You don't have to worry about them. Smaller regional banks seem to be doing fairly well as well because, um, you know, the thing about the big banks here, they're not passing on the attractive uh, savings rates uh, to their customers. Of course, they'll pass on the mortgage rates, very slow to pass on the attractive savings rates. So you're seeing the, the smaller banks, the, you know, the Bendigo banks, the Bank of Queensland's and, and those kind of banks doing quite well as well because they are attracting those uh, customers who are offering, uh, you know, quite good uh, savings rates for those customers. So the banking industry is here is very, very strong and everyone is, is very confident with that forecast profit of $33 billion. And the Reserve Bank of Australia has actually imposed 10 consecutive rate rises. Now, just a year ago, Michelle, we are at 0.1% at our cash rate. Now we're at 3.6%. So we've had 10 consecutive rate rises, more predicted today, predicted to go above 4% by the end of the year. So yeah, it's hurting a lot of Australians, but the banks are doing just fine. Good for their net interest margins, apparently. Australian regulators, I see, have issued a statement just this week to say that Aussie banks are well positioned to take in the shocks. And here in Singapore, the Monetary Authority of Singapore has also issued a statement to say our banking system is sound. But despite reassurances like this, banking shares across the globe have been coming under significant selling pressure. So my question is, are Aussie banks facing a sell-off as well? What have you seen in the markets? 
Not at all, Michelle. Aussie bank shares remain very, very strong. And a friend of mine who's a, a trader says whenever you know, Aussie bank shares go down in value, get a little truck and, and reverse uh, to the shop front and get as many shares as you can because they're always going to go up. So bank shares here are, are very, very popular amongst especially uh, retirees, older Australians, because they play, pay the fully frank dividends, which means their net of tax. Uh, so they are a way for older Australians to maintain their income uh, as they get, uh, you know, with the, the pension and anything else, but it's a very important retirement asset for older Australians. So, yeah, bank shares remain a, a hot ticket item, particularly those four big banks that I mentioned before. The banking industry here is very strong. I don't expect anything that we've seen uh, in North America or in Europe to happen here. Here in Singapore, our three listed banks, Jason, uh, DBS, UOB, OCBC, they've all lost ground over the past week, but really nothing like what we've seen over in the US and Europe. Uh, they're down about 2 to 4% last I checked. If we zoom out for a moment, uh, give us a sense of what's going on in the streets of Australia, the, se- the sentiment on the street. I mean, are people worried at all about their deposits or the soundness of Aussie banks? Is there any panic at all? No panic at all here, Michelle. The banks are very solid, but Australians are doing it tough because of all those uh, mortgage rate rises we've seen. And, and the problem is for a lot of Australians, they're going to come off these fixed rates uh, very soon with their mortgages uh, this year. So we are expecting a lot of pain in the next six to 12 months uh, with homeowners who have really leveraged themselves and gone beyond their means. And I can say from living in Asia for so long, you know, Asians tend to save money a lot better than Australians, particularly Singaporeans. And Australians have always kind of gambled on the, you know, the property market to continue to go up. We've seen about 10 to 15% falls uh, in the last six months or so in major capital cities in terms of our property prices. And we are seeing uh, inflation and all those repayments for mortgages going up. So some tough times ahead here in Australia, I'd say for sure. And I would expect the housing market to continue to decline this year. Another big issue on investors' minds this week, Jason, is interest rates. And before the SVB debacle, many investors had factored in half a point interest rate increases when the US Fed meets next week. And that seems far from certain now. In fact, the consensus seems to be that the Fed will stand pat and not make any adjustments to rates in the near term, though there are still some observers who say a quarter point rate hike is is likely. So the Fed caught between a rock and a hard place. And from what I've been reading, the Reserve Bank of Australia is as well. Um, Both central banks want to rein in inflation, but they're concerned about the impact that higher rates are having on the economy. So let me ask you, how concerned are you about inflation in Australia? And is it taking a bite out of your wallet? It really is, Michelle. I I do the uh, weekly shopping for the family. And uh, when I first came back to Australia almost four years ago from Singapore, I was maybe spending around $150 at the supermarket for the weekly shop. That's now over $250. My wife's scolding me all the time for <laughs> spending too much. So, yeah, we've seen inflation go up here and we are watching what the Fed is doing very, very closely here in Australia because uh, it affects a lot of things for us. It affects the the value of the Australian dollar. It affects you know the interest rate rises that the Reserve Bank of Australia passes on. So, as I mentioned, we've had 10 consecutive rises since May of uh, 2022. And they are predicting a 0.25% rise uh, for next month when the Reserve Bank of Australia meets again. But, of course, we're all looking at the Fed and seeing what the Fed does. But the prediction is that we'll get at least another two to three rises of around 0.25% per rise before the end of uh, 2023. 
Are you talking about the RBA's interest rate hikes for this cycle? Yes. Yeah, I think that'll be what we're going to see. We haven't had any respite from it. And the feeling is that if they continue to raise interest rates as they are, we are going to be driven into recession. But the picture here is that the job market is is quite strong. There's only 3.5% unemployment rate in Australia, which is close to an historical low. So there are some good signs, but inflation continues to be a problem, as well as declining values of homes and raising interest rates. Aussie bond traders witnessed a pretty wild session of trade this week. There were some extreme price movements. Analysts say they saw a flight to safety with investors buying up some high-quality Aussie government-backed bonds. So we'll continue to keep an eye on this here on Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin speaking with friend of the station, Jason Dacey, ABC journalist, joining me live from Brisbane. Jason, what do you think all this means for the Aussie dollar? You touched on this briefly. Um, Let me share some context with our listeners. For most of the past decade, if not longer, the Aussie was significantly stronger than the Singapore dollar. I can remember when one Aussie would buy about 1.2, 1.3 Sing dollars, and that is now ancient history. Over the past year, the Aussie has depreciated more than 10% versus the Singapore dollar. And today, the Aussie is only worth about 90 Singapore cents. So help us understand what's behind the drop. There are a couple of factors here, Michelle. As you mentioned, it's it's around uh, 90 uh, Singapore cents for one Australian dollar, about 66 to 67 US uh, cents for one Aussie dollar. And we have seen times when the Aussie dollar has been stronger than the US dollar. Can you believe it? So a couple of factors here. Obviously, we're looking at the what the Fed is doing and raising interest rates in the US. That has a, has a, a big uh, impression to what we do here with our currency, but also China's uh, growth forecasts and the fact that uh, you know, the growth forecasts aren't that exciting as China comes out of, of uh, the zero COVID policy and the fact that also with uh, China, some of our, our trade deals remain on ice because of less than perfect relations between Canberra and Beijing. So it's a combination of what's happening in the US and also the you know, not really hot um, Chinese economy at the moment. That has a, a very big impression on where we're at. In fact, the Aussie dollar, uh, in terms of uh, its value to gold, has reached a peak, an historical high today, which is a combination of uh, gold obviously being very valuable and also the Australian dollar being rather weak. So that's a landmark that just happened today. Do you think the Aussie is set to stabilise, possibly rebound or likely to fall further? Well, some uh, analysts are predicting it will go under 60 cents um, to the US dollar, uh, which is um, pretty bad. Uh, We have seen it get below 50 cents, but that's only for a short time. So I reckon it'll keep going down, uh, maybe down to the low 60s, but some analysts say it may even go under 60 uh, US cents. So any Singaporean out there who wants to travel to Australia and, and you know, visit this wonderful country, it's a good time to go. You're getting around $1.10 for every Sing dollar that you're uh, exchanging. Jason Dacey doing his bit for Australian tourism there. Let's take a look at Aussie stocks now, Jason. Every morning we track the ASX 200 on this show and it's been trending lower. The Aussie blue chip index down 6% over the past month. And when I think of Aussie stocks, I think mining, possibly Aussie banks. Before we take a look at where Aussie stocks may be headed, remind us, what is the Aussie market best known for? Well, of course, you know, our our commodities, you know, we're we're a a country that produces many things uh, for the world, whether it's uh, minerals or beef and and barley and and wines and everything else. So they're the ones that are very, very strong for us. And, you know, as I mentioned, banking stocks are very attractive here. We've seen tech stocks rather volatile here in Australia, but a lot of the mining 
big miners, like mining companies like BHP have done very, very well uh, as commodity prices uh, edge up in certain areas. Yeah, so today the market's down about eight points. We were expecting a bit more of a rebound after what we saw happen on the Dow Jones overnight, but it's been, it actually peaked pretty early, but it's come back down. So it's a pretty flat market so far today for the ASX here in Australia. What sectors in Australia are performing the best at the moment? Well, I think mining, uh, as I mentioned, and, uh, dis- and despite what we've seen, banking has performed pretty well over the last 12 months. And I really regret that I didn't buy those bank shares, uh, say, you know, during the pandemic about two years ago. They were really, really attractive, but they are much higher now. We saw the Commonwealth Bank go above uh, $100 a share, which is uh, showing just how attractive and how much people are buying these shares at the moment. And I expect that to continue despite the volatility that we've seen in in North America and Europe with um, the banking sector. Such a different narrative when it comes to banking stocks. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Jason. Let's see where your loyalties lie. Aussie stocks or Singapore stocks, where would you put your money? Probably Singapore stocks, Michelle, because as you know, I'm not getting any younger and I'm, <laughs> I'm always looking for security. I, I'm a bit conservative as an investor and the Aussie market tends to be very, very volatile, even though we do follow what happens in, in the US, of course. But I always love the, the strength and, and the security and the way uh, Singapore stocks are. I find them a lot more, um, I guess, I feel a lot more comfortable with them than I do with Aussie stocks. Now, while the rest of the world, good to hear, good to hear, Jason, while the rest of the world has really been focusing on banks this week, the big story in Australia this week has been about geopolitics and the English speaking world's attempt to counter, should we say, China's rapid military expansion. Uh, The United States, UK and Australia are going to deploy a fleet of nuclear powered submarines. The trio released new details about their plans just this week. What's the latest, Jason? Well, it was quite a, a picture opportunity there in San Diego. We saw Anthony Albanese, who's not been Prime Minister of Australia for, for so long, just under a year with uh, Rishi Sunak from the UK and Joe Biden wearing his aviator sunglasses. And there they were strutting around there in San Diego. This is a huge story uh, down here, Michelle, that we are getting that sort of nuclear submarine power for the South Pacific. Uh, And we're going to see this uh, really for probably for the rest of my lifetime for the next 20 to 30 years, the first ever nuclear submarines here in Australia. And the reason, as you touched on, is that uh, we're really worried about China's influence and China's responded in not the nicest way. They're not happy with uh, the way things are. And we we are walking this tightrope when it comes to China because we rely so much on China as our major trading partner but we have these ties to the UK and to the US. Um, so it's a bit tricky for Anthony Albanese, the, the new prime minister, but he is uh, you know, looking a lot to Penny Wong, the Malaysian-born uh, foreign minister who mm-hmm. comes from a half-Chinese background, who's been very, I guess, vocal and also very uh, energetic in, in trying to reach out to Beijing. So we are hoping that we can have this strategic um, alliance with the UK and the US when it comes to military and defence. But we need to continue to reach out to, to China. And, and another big trading partner is India. We saw Anthony Albanese visiting India recently. And of course, we have the uh, the connection with cricket. And he's trying to build that, them as a bigger trading partner because, as you know, Michelle, I mean, India will overtake uh, China as the most populous country before too long. Indeed. So back to those subs, I understand there's some cutting edge technology in them, Jason, uh, reactors made by Rolls-Royce. 
Yes, yes, that's coming, uh, of course, from the UK. I mean, the money yes. we're spending on these, it's, I think it's something like $40 billion, and that's just to start with. But Paul Keating, who you might remember as a former Australian Prime Minister, he was the one who clashed with, uh, Ms., with Dr Mahathir back in the 1990s. He says this is the worst decision that a Labour government has made since World War One. He's not happy with it at all. He's actually quite a supporter of, of Australia's engagement with, with Asia, particularly with China. You know, now he's in his late 70s and he's slammed it. You know, he slammed Anthony Albanese from the same party. But not everyone agrees with what Paul Keating has said. You know, one headline that I've read poses the question, will the subs arrive in time to counter China? What do you think? I don't think so. And and the other thing we should say that um, Australia really snubbed and turned their back on a deal with France, with Emmanuel Macron. And it was the former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who basically tore up the agreement with France and uh, went with the, with the US and the UK. And yeah, these sort of things are very unpredictable. The, the prices go up and up and up. Uh, so this is another thing that's uh, in the background of this. And Emmanuel Macron and Anthony Albanese have made up in in one way it's good um for australia that we have seen a a change of prime minister since um, that deal was torn up with france but it's a, it's a tricky thing because we we actually very uh close to france in, uh, in diplomatic ways as well but yeah this is something that's going to be going on for decades to come and not everyone's happy with it well on to happier news everybody's going to be happy when you come back to singapore for a visit when is that happening and why do you have some trepidation there Uh, well, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, I left Singapore just before the pandemic. You'll remember that, uh, Michelle, in you know, towards the end of 2019, moved back to Australia. And I'm taking my first overseas trip in three and a half years in May. And I'll be dropping into Money FM, seeing all my friends there and maybe even filling in on a show or two. But my wife and daughter went to Hong Kong and Japan recently uh, over the Christmas period while I continue to work here in Australia. And my wife got COVID and uh, was stuck in Japan. Uh, my daughter didn't get it. My my daughter's auntie got it. So they were stuck there. All turned out fine because they had decent travel insurance. But there still is an uncertainty, isn't there, Michelle, about traveling. Um, so I'll be stepping onto a, an international flight for the first time in three and a half years in May and coming back to Singapore. I, I think I'm just going to be eating the whole time I'm there. I miss the Singapore food so much. Um, so I'll, look, I'll be looking forward to, to catching up with all my friends in Singapore. Oh, we'd love to see you. I'm one of those rare birds who hasn't yet had COVID. Have you had COVID yet? I've had it. I actually got it camping last year. I went camping here in Queensland. And I'm not really a big camper, Michelle. It's and it's pretty cold in winter here. And my wife thought I was making up an excuse, and you know, I was trying to pretend I was sick. But I actually got COVID while we were camping. Oh. I got it from an 11-year-old's birthday party that was a few days before our camping trip. You know, a super spreader event, an 11-year-old birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, well, hopefully you've got all the immunity then in your system, and nothing untoward will happen on your first trip in three and a half years. It's about oh, time. Oh, I miss it so much. I, I am still a Singapore permanent resident because I am continuing to do business over there. I'm still pay, oh. paying taxes and everything else. So I have that connection um, to the Lion City and it means a lot to me, uh, Singapore, of course. I can't wait to welcome you on the show live in person in the studio, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and giving us a sense of what's happening with Aussie markets. Thank you, Michelle. Wish everyone a, a lovely lunchtime and enjoy. Have a nasi lemak for me or some, well, I don't know, maybe go to the Springleaf Prata place, my favorite place there in Siglap. 
<laughs> Just for you, I'll have an extra Prada. Jason Dacey on Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.